Hello, everyone, and welcome to Working Title, a podcast where two writer friends stumble through books we love looking for writing secrets. I'm Dana, and this week I'm trying to sneak up on my creativity. (laughs) That has been my writing strategy. I feel like I have been really struggling to like want to sit down and let alone write just like read anything or even watch anything like it's been hard to find that yeah um but I've been kind of trying to like trick my brain into it in terms of like I've really only had space for like game shows and reality tv and things that don't really scratch that creative itch for me Mm -hmm. but I've been like watching a lot of game shows about nerdy cool stuff And then trying to notice when I'm like, oh, yeah, that tickled my brain in a creative way. Quick, do do, do a flash fiction, do a thing. And then being like, all right, it's gone now. All right, time to just let it let it sit. Just watch. Just wait for the opportunity. Which, yeah, feels very, you know, guerrilla warfare for your brain. But it's it's the only thing that seems to be working this week. So we're going to run with it. I love imagining your imagination or your creativity as like a a cute mischievous creature that is running rampant <laughs> through your apartment and you're like let me just i have this nice bed for you and you're just running after trying to catch it yep yep or eventually being like if i stay still enough eventually it'll land near me and then i will strike <laughs> yes, yes exactly like that like i don't not so, i'm as your tiktok ambassador yes thank you there's a tiktok account of a woman who just her, her whole account is just she wraps herself up in various silly disguises and then just sits on her porch for hours with a bird seed like in her hands on the disguise somewhere and she just waits until a bird shows up and the bird always shows up and it always takes some seeds and you can just see her trying to hold back like peals of laughter and pure joy <laughs> so the bird doesn't go away it's you get that same feeling. This fully describes my writing strategy this week. <laughs> I would like to see this TikTok so I can identify more with this lady. You have to send it to you. Please do. <laughs> um, hello, I'm Leah. And this week, I've just kind of been collecting random pieces of things for different ideas. Uh, it's been mm. a lot of, like, finding different epigraphs i i'm always side note this close to accidentally saying epitaph when i say epigraph. <laughs> it's so close and the more i, I think I get about you. how close it is the more it becomes <laughs> difficult for me not to switch them um anyway uh and like little snippets of ideas for different stories so i have this folder called shiny new ideas and that has been getting a lot of mm. attention this week I love that. Yeah. It's a great idea for a folder as well to just be like, I need something to store so that I can let these moments exist and I don't need to devote all of my at- energy and attention to them at any given time. Yep. That's awesome. And uh, and a lovely segue into a, our episode for this week. Uh, this week, we are doing another red herring, uh, which... I, I we didn't name it this because of it, but I it will never not make me think of Clue the movie I was just whenever. That. There's no I mean that's why I said it the way I did, is because in my mind it's always Tim Curry saying it. <laughs> that was just a red herring that <laughs> <laughs> so great. <laughs> yep. 
Yep. So, uh, but for our red herrings this season, uh, we are continuing our journey of trying to write a short story uh, from start to finish. That was something that we committed each to try and do and to kind of have some episodes to help us along, talk through our processes, learn some different things, uh, and to try to commit to actually doing a writing thing for our writing podcast. Previously, we've played some writing games to generate some initial story ideas. We had another episode where we experimented with some exercises to help us dig into drafting. And this is our last of these episodes for this season, so now it's time to talk about editing, which I always feel like I look forward to editing. How do you feel, Leah? Because I know people have like very different feelings about that sort of stage of the process. Once you've got a draft and you're like, okay, what's next? Yeah, I think it depends on the stage of editing that I'm in. Very fair, very fair. I find my second draft very challenging, not just because of my novel. This is like the first time I've pushed myself that far. So I'm like, ah, what? You know, <laughs> kind of how I'm dealing with that. But also because by the time I finish my first draft, I usually have a better idea of what I need to make happen. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, but how does one, it's never right. an idea where I'm like, I'm confident I could write this tomorrow in my sleep. It's always, yeah. you know, it's always just slightly out of reach. So that period between then and when it starts to actually resemble the thing that I want to do is really hard. And I find that with video scripts as well. Mm -hmm. the same the same thing like I've learned that to get through my first draft I just have to be like brain off hands typing yeah. let's go we'll see what comes out right and then I have to look back at everything and it, that I think that part can be difficult yeah what about you yeah it is it is interesting because like I think we've talked a lot about you know trying to find that freedom of remembering that there isn't just one story you're trying to tell. You can, whatever story comes, like they're all good stories and they're all stories that are valuable. And it's, when you make a certain choice in the drafting process, you're not making a wrong choice. You're just making a choice. And that's also a good story. You're not messing up the single good story that exists. But it is interesting because once you get to the stage where you have kind of decided on at least what story you want to tell now... And you've got your draft, so you've kind of got some grooves in there. It's it's harder to keep that pressure away because you do have a clearer idea of... It's not that there's only one way to tell a story that's good here, but I've decided which way I want to tell the story. And now I have to... Now it's hard to not be constantly measuring your work up against that and struggling to to either have faith in, like, am I executing that... How do I do that? All of those kinds of insecurities can come rushing back in. Yeah, exactly. And it, it reminds me of the conversation we had in our previous episode about the dark forest. Mm -hmm. And I kind of, you know, I love a good woods, as I say in every episode, trees and me were <laughs> BFFs. Um, but I was like, what a great metaphor. Let me use that to kind of process some things. Uh, because what I found about a lot of other writer interviews is they'll talk about how the process for each book is different, mm -hmm. but not a lot of them talk about the process changing 
within a single book. Yeah. And that's really how I felt. And I realized that when I started the book, I'm like, okay, I'm just kind of poking around, seeing what path leads where. And then eventually I'm like, these are a lot of paths. I'm overwhelmed. I think I just need to pick one and see where that goes. And then I follow that one. And then it leads to somewhere. And I'm like, I don't know how I feel about this. And I go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And I'm like, I'm never going to get out of these woods. I'm stuck here. And that was when I realized, wait, I'm not going on a quest where I have to get through the woods. I'm foraging. I'm actually building a house where my story mm-hmm. can live. But then you build the house. You do another draft, maybe. And you're like, well, hopefully something will come live in it. And the house doesn't exactly look like what you thought it would. And then as part of revising, you kind of have to destroy the house a little bit, which is very scary. And then I was thinking again, well, what does that leave? Well, it leaves the ruins of a story. And that could be a really dark interpretation where you're like, I've ruined my story. But have you ever been to some really cool ruins? They're dope. They're so amazing. Like the number of times I've seen ruins... I would bet that other writers feel like this doesn't match the house I built in my head. I would be like, this is so fucking cool. Yeah. Like, look at the ruins of this. You can see the history. You can feel the, yes. Exactly. Yes, yes, yes. So, like, if, because I'm having this moment where I'm revising and I'm like, I think I have to destroy the story again. And the feeling again that it's like, well, I'm maybe I'm ruining this. And that was when I was like, wait, wait a, wait a minute here. What's a cooler concept than the idea of ruination, right? Like ruins are cool, ruining things. There's so many books right now that are just like uh, whatever of whatever in ruin and I want to read them all. Like mm-hmm. it's all, ruin is good. <laughs> I mean, you know, for our stories go. <laughs> okay, I mean, there are like, there are lines, but I yes. mean, because the thing is when I find a really cool ruin, I don't just walk by and I'm like, well, that's ruined. I'm, I go in and I'm like, <laughs> Who came here before? Why were they here? Like ruins can invite you to sit and think for a while, can invite you to ask questions about the the people who made it, about why it is the way it is now, about the life that because a lot of ruins have different kinds of lives. I mean, look at it look at a tree. A dead tree is often hollowed and used as homes as by creatures. Yeah. Uh so this idea that by ruining your story, you're destroying it. No, I like that a lot. And I think to talk about the other piece of it too, even as you're you're talking about this as a reason why, as as a permission basically to go back and say, I think I need to take this apart and maybe do something different here. I also think like it thinking about writing and stories as ruins in different ways reminds me very much of um a lot of the way that I ended up getting to finishing both drafting and editing for the enormous uh, fantasy novel project that I've definitely talked to you about a bunch, Leah, and I believe I've also mentioned probably quite a few times on the podcast. And the interesting thing about the process of working on that story is, I mean, I often joke that I've been writing it for over a decade because I technically started it when I was like 11. Mm-hmm. And, but I was not working on it consistently. Absolutely yeah. not. And that was part of the thing is that I would work on it for, you know, two to three months at a time and then forget about it for six months to a year and come and dig it up again and look through it the way you would look at a ruin, right? And be like, somebody that came before wrote this because mm-hmm. certainly at that age, you're like growing up so much and I was growing as a writer and as a person and coming back and being like, what, what infant 
wrote these <laughs> chapters, but also seeing the things that were interesting to me six months to a year before then and mm. figuring out what pieces were going to last and were going to carry forward. And even now where I've kind of, I've at least somewhat shelved that project in terms of it's about twice as long as anything reasonably should be. And I don't know what I want to do about it yet. But part of the way that I got to deciding that I was at least done editing it for now and ready to call it complete and feel good about it was also by recognizing that regardless of whether this story will ever have some sort of uh, readership, right, or any sort of publication, it is really meaningful to me in terms of reading that story personally is walking through several staged ruins of my own growth as a writer. And it is interesting to go back occasionally and read something and be like, oh, there's the seed of this interesting idea. Mm -hmm. The same way that people will go back and be like, we can tell this architectural ancestry. And you're like, that's really cool. It's not useful as the thing that it was, maybe. Like, maybe it doesn't continue to be the thing that you once envisioned or the mm -hmm. thing that you wanted it to grow into, but it still has a tremendous amount of value for the weight of story that it carries both on the layer of it's a story, but also on the layer of the story that it's telling of me as a writer and as a person. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that can also be said, like, beyond a single project, I think that's also what it is to be a writer and take on new projects. Like, you're forever growing. You're forever looking. Like, part of you is also looking back at where you came from. You have to do this to grow. It's It all adds up. And... Oftentimes you take some things for those from those ruins mm -hmm. and you use them somewhere else. You've learned something from that. Yeah. And that's not to say also that like some published books are ruins. I mean, I think there are a lot of authors who Ursula Le Guin comes to mind where I think it was she published Left Hand of Darkness and then she wrote a response to herself, her own story like looking back at it because you change as a writer. That's just yeah. how think that's how it goes. It's how art is. Ideally it will happen because you will be learning and growing and changing as a person. And mm -hmm. that is, yeah, it's, I, it's, it's in fact a really good and necessary part of the process. Yeah. So editing is transformative in a weird way. I guess. <laughs> it is. I think it really is. And I think this is also relevant to our specifically our conversation about editing because I will admit, so again, for, for these episodes that we've done, we've tried to like come up with some good, some fun games or exercises that we can do. And it was hard to find good editing exercises, mm -hmm. uh, mainly because kind of what you were, what you were getting at at the first, Leah, which is that editing is a very responsive process it is not one that i think it's very easy to be prescriptive about or at least whenever people are prescriptive about editing i get annoyed i don't feel it certainly doesn't feel universally true right, right. there there's always things that you can try right where people are like oh go through and get rid of all the adverbs and it's like that's a, sometimes an interesting exercise and sometimes you're like oh it worked it made my writing more what i'm going for but adverbs are also a style. And if your style involves adverbs, that piece of editing advice won't be useful. Mm -hmm. Like the, there's there's so many things when it comes to editing that it's like, I don't think there's a lot that's universally true. A lot of it has to be 
you assessing where your story is, where you want it to go, and then trying to guess what sorts of things you can do to bridge that gap. The one thing, there's exactly one thing, I think, that to me feels like I think every editing process needs this, mm-hmm. and that is time. Time and distance in that I, I've, I've, I've never been able to edit something well unless I put it down for at least 24 hours. And the actual length of time it takes depends hugely on how much I'm actually mentally able to let it go and just kind of separate myself from the mindset I was in when I was trying to make the thing Mm -hmm. so I can come back to it with a different perspective for editing. So I think this whole conversation about like that time and that distance and the passage of that is really relevant for this in terms of like the micro level too of, great, what are you going to do to edit your story? (laughs) Ruins are also caused by the passage of time. It changes them and it changes how you look at things. Mm -hmm. So it's necessary. I I would also add, and this is one that I have struggled with and that I think this podcast has helped with is persistence. Yeah. Yeah. Time and persistence and flexibility. Yeah. Giving yourself space to do something, but not having that space feel like, well, I guess that's it then. <laughs> it's a very different kind of space. Yeah, yeah. Or thinking about why, like, why is that space there? Mm-hmm. Uh, something I, I'm like really proud of myself. This is a kind of personal breakthrough. Uh, I procrastination is avoidance often, and I was having this moment where I was like, I just, I don't want to do this anymore. I can't do this. I can't do this. And I paused and I was like, oh, you're, you're just afraid. Like, you're just afraid that you won't be able to do this. We're going to count back from five and then we're going to do it anyway. So like knowing, being able to recognize that and knowing when to be like, all right, I'm going to push. I don't have all the answers right now. I'm really afraid, but I'm going to stumble into the dark anyway. I'm going to fall forward into the dark and hope that something is there. And I'm going to create my own light by doing that. And sometimes that's what you have to do. That is so awesome. I'm so goddamn proud of you. That is a hard thing to do. I'm really glad. So that hard. That, like, <laughs> no, it's it, yes, <laughs> like a nightmare trying to figure out how to do that. Yeah. Yeah. No. And like to to be able to have those and be able to do that and like to have that be a thing that you you know to go to in your brain is really, really cool. Yeah. Um. And I think a lovely a lovely transition, too, for our conversation. I do have some exercises for us to, like, think through and talk about. But first, I just want to touch base because it's been a minute since we talked about these stories. And since we last checked, uh, conceivably, we have drafts now. Uh, so I first just want to start by asking, how how did this go for you? How did this feel? Uh, where do you feel like the story is at now what's I would just love to hear kind of the update yeah so I did put it off for a while I did that procrastination thing aggressively same (laughs) (laughs) I think part of it was also I was like I just have to have all the answers and then I can do and I don't have all the answers and I can't do it because I you know Mm -hmm. and then I I just set a timer and forced myself to sit down and be like well whatever comes out comes out and just blah and I have like uh like 1200 words and that was how I got my draft done. Um, and uh, I think it was really useful. It it didn't turn out the way that I thought it would in some ways. Um, the the draft is peppered with like, well, what if it said this? Or what if mm-hmm. it said that? There's a lot of that going on. 
and it still feels very kind of loose. Like we were kind of talking off mic before this about life and the world being on fire. And I found that conversation linked to the story. I didn't even realize when I was writing this that maybe I was processing some emotions about the world. It's funny how we always say like, writing is good for that. And yet when I do it, I'm like, no, this is just a cool fantasy story that has nothing at all to do with my emotions. Um, But upon reflection, it really has been kind of informed by some of my my mental state and my feelings about everything that's happening right now. I do feel like it's worth uh, putting in aside here. Uh, we don't normally talk that explicitly about what's going on in the world, at least because that's not what this podcast is about. And I think the other piece uh, I know has been for me is like, were we to get into the specifics, we record these often quite a bit before they come out and the absolute, the pace of the bullshit Mm -hmm. is such that I have no faith that what we are talking about right now is what you as a listener feel is most present and devastating. But uh, wherever y'all are and whatever's going on today, hey, love you, sorry, this is way too hard and I hope you're doing okay because this is too much for everybody. That's... Yeah, I don't know. I, I I I feel like there's the only the only thing I know is that I want there to be more of that. Yeah, <laughs> it's the only thing I feel like I can hold on to. I'm always saying this, but we would love to hear from you if you have the energy and the time, and that is something that would bring you joy. Um, something else we often discuss is because of the bullshit and because of work and because of everything else, it becomes increasingly difficult to guard the things that give you joy. Mm-hmm. Uh. And that's because of all the pressure just all around you. And so I do hope that this this podcast is one of those spaces for you. It's a space for me. Yeah. And so is writing. Uh, even when I'm afraid of it, I often find afterwards, I'm like, oh, this is actually very helpful. There's um, a reason I like to do this, yeah. even though it's scary. Yeah. So I hope this is like a little a little pocket of joy that, you can kind of take a moment, take a breather, find some rest, um, and just, yeah. yeah. And know that we are with you in that and trying <laughs> to figure out how to process any of this while doing everything else. Like, right. that's that's the other side, too, as we're talking about, like, I, I, my process certainly started similarly, where I was like, I, simp- I can't sit down and work on this now. Mm-hmm. And like, yes, and procrastination often has a lot to do with that, like, fear and unwillingness to sit down. And also sometimes, because there's a lot of stuff going on, Exhaustion. and just finding the space and the mental energy and yeah. everything else is a challenge. And no one needs to beat themselves up for that being hard. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I... I guess I did open today talking about uh, sort of intentionally trying to sneak up on my creative energy. And I feel like there was an element of that uh, for writing this story, mostly related to once I came up with the idea and once we'd sort of, you know, had our initial drafting episode and we're working through it, I was still trying to do this... um, daily flash fiction challenge for a while there were there were like one word prompts and it was interesting because 
for it made me feel for a long time like I hadn't started drafting because I hadn't sat down and opened a document. I just had like several random pieces of things that could be seen sort mm -hmm. of in a couple notebooks. Mm -hmm. And they were very not, they weren't in the same style necessarily. They were just kind of these little snapshot pieces. And then when I sat down to, okay, it's time to like write the draft and do what you're describing. They're like, I know I'm scared, but now I need to sit down and work. And and discovering that I was like, oh, I actually, there's, a, there's pieces that I want to do to connect these existing pieces, but I actually have a lot here. Mm. And it was interesting because I'm, I'm very psyched with a lot of how the story turned out. There's definitely a lot more that I want to work on and edit. But um, I think the most interesting thing for me process-wise was that it felt more like a discovery than probably any other writing process that I've had for a short story. And in, in like, a, and I think a lot based on that process, right? Like when I was initially doing these flash fiction pieces, the stories mostly got two characters. And whenever I was writing scenes from one of their perspectives, it was always like close third-person POV. But any time there were a couple moments where then I was like, no, I want to write from this person's perspective. And theirs were always first person. And I was like, this is weird. Obviously, I'll have to switch these around once I put it all into a story or I'll have to cut one of them. Hmm. And then was like, actually, I kind of like this because the character that I kept associating this like close third person POV is someone who inserts distance between himself and the world and this other character is not and that's a big part of their conflict is that he's established all these like weird internal distances and boundaries and isn't being honest with himself about a lot of different things and they are just like too present and like too intimate and up close to like yeah. connect with that and eventually I was like yeah I'm not gonna I'm just gonna leave it this sounds so cool. This sounds Thank so you. Cool. I'm excited about it. Yeah. Also, it was like, I've never intentionally tried to write something that was like this experimental from a POV perspective. And I didn't intentionally do it this time at first. It was just, but because I was writing so much of this as it's just a daily flash fiction exercises, who knows if this will even be in the real story. I got to mess around with it and then kind of discovered, hey, whatever intuition was driving me to do this, I actually really like as an intentional thing. I think mm. it makes sense. It feels like it moves the story in the direction I want to. And it, it felt like a really interesting reminder that, um, you know, I, I really like, and I think you really like analyzing our processes. That's a huge part of what's fun about this podcast yeah. and to like try and intentionally grow and learn from these things and notice these things. But there's also something that, at least for me, was really fun about realizing, like, hey, maybe you also just have some good instincts and some good intuition, and it is valuable to trust that and then sort of discover, oh, I did, some part of me knew what story I wanted to tell here, even while I was still too afraid to look it in the eye or to, like, sit down and focus on it. Yeah, yeah finding, I think it's it's finding a way to trick your brain into thinking you're just having fun. But like, it's just a goofy, silly thing I'm goofy. doing. It's just yeah. a little thing. See what happens. Yeah, and finding out that even even when you are saying that, that like you're still bringing your creative brain to that. Like I think mm -hmm. there's, I think a lot about 
the emotional reactions that I often have when people are like, oh, like, don't write for an audience, like, write for you, like, you sh- or whatever art you're doing. It's like, oh, you need to do the art just for you and not for anybody else. And it's interesting because I think when people say, oh, you've got to do this for you, they always put a just in there. Like, oh, it's just for you. It's don't worry about it. Which is I mean, it makes sense in terms of like pressure, right? It Because yeah. the pressure of imagining what other people want is always going to be greater because you can't know what other people want. Other people are infinite and want infinite things. Mm-hmm. And there's no way you can write a finite number of words on paper and make everybody happy. Like that's an insurmountable pressure. So just trying to please yourself is on a pressure scale, obviously lesser. But I think so often to me that sounds like we assume that if you're just writing for yourself, you're going to write worse stuff. Like that Mm. somehow it's like, oh, you're just doing that. You're not really trying to make it good. You're not really holding it to high standards. Mm. Most people who want to make art have extremely good taste, (laughs) right? Like that's the, is it it an Ira Glass thing? It is Ira Glass, yeah. Yeah, the like... That's why it's so hard to get good at things because you know exactly how you are, how the stuff you're creating is not the stuff that you like. Mm-hmm. And like trying to bridge that gap and feel motivated as you do is so challenging. So the idea of like, oh, just write it for you being easy or lackadaisical or low standard is nonsense. If I'm writing something for me, I have very high standards. That's yeah. not, that's not going to be writing that's bad because I didn't try like that's not what that means but I think we often equate those yeah I think that's completely right and then on top of that also me is not always very articulate as to why something that me is doing is not working (laughs) yeah it's just like I don't know it just feels wrong feels not right it feels off I, I noticed the gap yeah I think that's I I had never thought about that I think sometimes there's a temptation when we're removing pressure to also I guess remove the importance and value of the thing that you're doing yeah even if it is for you um and there it is again even if it is for you (laughs) even if as if it can just there it is again it can be for you and only for you and I was actually having a conversation with a friend of mine it's so wild like how many friends I'm finding that are like, I also want to be a writer. We've never talked about writing. Yeah. But uh, he was saying that he, he wanted to be a writer. He's studying to become a doctor. It's hard for him to find time. And there's kind of a part of him that's afraid he'll never get published. And he asked me how I felt about that. And if you'd asked me two years ago, I would have been like terrible. But now I'm at a point where I'm like, I would be okay because that the writing that I've done has value. Like would I like to share it with people eventually? Yeah, but I can't I can't control publishing and I could share it with my friends and the yeah. the value that I received from this writing is not diminished by my being published or not published for a market. Yeah. Yeah, like there is it is funny, but yeah, like there's absolutely tremendously just intrinsic value to making the thing Mm -hmm. and recognizing that the by virtue of making something for yourself you are not inherently making something that is lower quality Mm -hmm. however we're defining quality and I think definitely like my process for just the drafting of this was really an intriguing prospect because by virtue of 
never committing to the fact that I was writing the story. I did write it for me. I wrote it for little flash fiction exercises that I never intended to be anything other than for me. Mm. And discovered that actually I was making choices in there that I really liked and respected and, and were intriguing to me. And I think good choices. I think they I think they were good writing and were able to make a really like a story that I'm, you know, pretty proud of for a first draft. That's that was a really exciting realization, especially as someone who tends to think a lot about my process and perhaps overthink about my process mm. sometimes to realize it is actually good and right for me to occasionally stop doing that and just trust my intuition because my intuition also knows what it's doing. Yeah. It's funny. I I recently heard Neil Gaiman speak and uh, he was asked about writer's block and he said that you basically the only way is through to keep sitting down and keep writing. And he said there are days when it feels like everything is awful. It's pulling teeth. You hate everything you write. And he said, what I found is a few months from from then, when I go back and read the story, I can't tell which days were the bad days and which days were the good. They all sound like me. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> like, something I intuitively knew, but the number of times, you think I would learn, the number of times I've looked back at my old writing and I've, there's sometimes there's a part of me that dreads it because I do actually remember the feeling of struggling. And I look back at it and I'm like, this is actually good. I kind of like this actually. Right. <laughs> oh, wait, hold up. This whole time on the suffering for nothing? What? You know, you, you kind of yeah. get into your head, but that's something else that maybe can help you through those harder days where you're overthinking the process and everything's not flowing. You can approach it sideways, but you can also remember that a few months from now, you won't be able to tell the difference between those days um, quite often when you get to the end. Yeah. Well, it's sort of like what we were saying. There's multiple stories happening. There's the story that's getting on the paper, and then there's the story of you making it. Mm -hmm. And those are two stories that are obviously linked, but... They don't link in the most obvious ways. There are days when I sit down and writing feels awesome and I look over it and I'm like, this is kind of not not what I wanted. Yeah. And there are days when writing feels like pulling teeth and you're like, there's actually something really cool and interesting here, it turns out, once I get some time and distance. Hey, back to it again. If I don't give up and I give myself time, yeah. actually we'll get there. And I feel like that's often, that's the real value of editing, right? We've, we've spent a lot of time talking on this podcast generally about trying to achieve the freedom to let ourselves do the writing and do the drafting and come up with the ideas and to not cage ourselves into thinking about, you know, particular standards, but to, to let the story be and to let ourselves breathe. And all of that is a really vital part. And then editing is kind of an interesting switcheroo in some way mm. because that is the part where suddenly it is very useful to bring in the analytical brain that sometimes is too overbearing and shuts down our creativity suddenly like we do kind of want to bring that voice in in certain ways in measured ways that are helpful mm -hmm. so the, the the research that i did the things that i did to try and pull some ideas for us for editing i felt like there were kind of three different categories of editing exercises that I saw. Mm -hmm. 
I think the first one is the one that I think most people think of when you talk about editing, which is like when you look at a scene and you're like, this is what I want, but it needs to be polished. Mm. Like everything I want is kind of already on the page. This is what I want the scene to be, but it's not maybe as sharp or as vibrant or whatever you're going for from a tone perspective. And a lot of these things are the things that I think are really arbitrary, where some stuff's going to really work for you and some stuff's going to totally not gel with your style, right? The stuff that's like, go through and like, get really crunchy with your details or Mm. use metaphors instead of simile and get rid of those adverbs and put the most interesting part of the sentence at the end and cool stuff that's like, huh, interesting. And I think a lot of us can try that and be like, oh, that does make our right, that does make this feel more polished. And also then sometimes you get to a line and you're like, no, I want this to be a simile, thank you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And like, that is a really important stage of editing. Like there's definitely times when you look at a scene, you're like, yeah, but I want to really like take this to another level. Some of my favorite exercises are when like, you've got a scene, but it feels stuck. Mm. in some way like i which is so all the time not crunchy specificity descriptive but yeah you know what i'm saying yeah you're like i don't it's it's not working there's no like movement in it there's no energy Mm -hmm. yeah it just feels wrong can't figure out why Yeah. yeah um and a lot of the exercises that i found for this i it should surprise no one because i apparently don't ever shut up about oh tim claire i I was like it's one of two things i never shut up about (laughs) tabletop games and tim claire's writing podcasts yeah i had a 50 50 shot and i whiffed it (laughs) i feel delightfully seen in this moment Some of the things that uh, a lot of these exercises coming from Tim Clare's writing podcast, ones that I've found very helpful when a scene feels stuck to me, are kind of a, a, they're a little bit more abstract, but they're also still a little bit arbitrary, but kind of in an intentional way Mm -hmm. where it's like, okay, rewrite a scene or a paragraph, but replace every single word in it with a synonym. Maybe you go through and you rewrite the scene and you replace every word with an opposite. My personal favorite, because it feels like it has no right to be this effective, and at least for me, it worked really well, rewrite a scene without using a letter. And when I tell you that it unlocked a whole scene for me, and I was like, this is so silly. None of this should work. But it has, at least I think, a lot of the goal for those exercises, again, the way I'm kind of conceptualizing this category, is like, it's a little bit silly enough that hopefully you can kind of like, you can you can shove the like overbearing pressure of that voice to the back a little bit in order to be like, okay, something here is stuck and needs to move. We need a little bit more creative fluidity here. Mm-hmm. But we want to be engaged in this scene. This does feel still like we're on a track. Like we don't want to get too far away from what we're trying to do. And we want to spend more time just kind of tossing the Lego blocks back and forth to be like, is this, this kind of what it, all right, what if we just, put it on its side and twist it around and get a new perspective on it. Yeah. And then the third category for me is the, I don't know what the fuck this scene needs, but it's, it's bad. It's not working. Something here is wrong. And I don't feel like it's just a matter of like a, like a perspective shift. Like I, I feel like I need to, I think that feeling you were describing, like I need to take it apart. I need to destroy it and maybe build something different. But there's so much fear associated with that, too. Like, that mm-hmm. can be an editing decision to say, yeah, I need to I need to rewrite this whole thing in a different way. But I think there are so many exercises that can help us figure out, like, okay, if you're going to rewrite it in a different way, 
it'd be nice to really know that you liked that you you were doing a thing that felt good at that point too so you don't feel like you're just going back to square square zero with carrying nothing with you Mm -hmm. and that's i feel like where you get to just like do some like kooky stuff like writing a sandbox scene uh which um is a phrase that I learned while doing this research, but is a concept I think a lot of folks are familiar with where you're just like, I'm going to write a scene that doesn't exist in this story, but that might exist somewhere in the universe, right? They're like, all right, all my characters go to a pool party. Coffee shop AUing your your Coffee shop AU or whatever. (laughs) You're just going to write something and like see what comes out of it and see if it like shines other lights on it. Another Tim Clare exercise that I very much enjoyed was writing interviews with a character where you just like write a question down like you're asking the character a question and then you just write their answer yeah yeah even I was recently uh thinking about just one scene in a book I read that I was like I was just having a moment where I was just really caught up and I was like that doesn't happen of course mm-hmm. it happens it happens it's in the book I was like that isn't, I can't <laughs> this isn't how it should go and that was when I was like, oh, I have to write this. That's why I'm feeling this way. Yep. So it can be helpful to just read and have a reaction where you're like, well, first of all, um, yeah. nothing to do with that lovely author who is writing their own book. I forget. I know we had Kate on here. I don't remember if she told one of my most embarrassing stories that she really loves that is very similar to that. Mm. Uh, where she took at some point when we were in like junior high she had a library book that she lent me and I read it and I really enjoyed it uh, and it was like a Snow White retelling and there was a kiss scene to like save the day and I was not satisfied <laughs> and so I edited it you know with all the wisdom of my 12 year old self and then formatted it according to the pages and printed it out and cut them out and stuck them in the book and handed it back to Kate. And, um, I love this. Because she loves me very much and loved me even then. Uh, she just laughed her ass off and told me later she just returned the book with those in them. And no. I was like, Kate, why? <laughs> they were just for you because I'm obsessive and I needed to write them and then I thought you would be amused but she put the book back in the library and it still had those extra pages inserted with my nonsense (laughs) I kind of love the idea that in my head by some sort of you know wizardry magic some twist of the universe for plot reasons uh, maybe it was really humid and the book glue didn't work that your pages stuck over the original pages and there are people out there who think that your pages are the real book. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, boy, I hope not. I mean, I don't remember. I don't have the writing saved. It's it, I can't look back at it and assess if it was any good or bad, but it was a 12-year-old's idea of what a kiss scene should be when right. I hadn't, like, really done that before. So I can't imagine it was awesome. <laughs> but... Maybe it was entertaining at the very least. I, I I feel I have a reasonable hope that probably someone was entertained one way or another. At least Kate has had a grand, grand old time with that story. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I have absolutely tried to work my way around assigning us any particular exercise by coming up with three categories. That's my job to come up with categories. Yeah, (laughs) right? The categorizing. (laughs) Really, really taking a page from your book. Yeah. (laughs) 
But I, my intention and my thought here was that we could also talk about, because I do believe editing should be responsive. Mm-hmm. Are there are there pieces of this or exercises that sound interesting that feel like they might be helpful to where you're at or a particular scene that you want to edit? Do you feel like, you know what, like, I want to do the polishing stuff. I want to do something to get unstuck. Or maybe I want to do one of these more like, I don't know what it needs. Let's see. And really like break outside the box exercises. Kind of like the sandbox. The sandbox exercise feels like fun. Yeah. Wait, what about you? I am intrigued with all of these. (laughs) Not least because there are scenes here where I'm like, yeah, I don't know. And then there's (laughs) other scenes where I'm like, this is great. I just need to polish it. And like, I feel like that's often the case and that's why it's valuable to talk about all of them, Mm. even if it's like, maybe we're only doing like one or two today. Yeah. But most of these at least categories of editing exercises, I feel like are going to be useful to you at some point in your writing. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, then let's... I don't know. How long do we want to take for this? I feel like we could do 10 minutes maybe sounds like good for like doing a thing and then we can come back and talk about how it felt. Yeah, let's do that. All right, our 10 minutes. Let's start now. is our 10 minute sandbox exercise we're gonna start with you leah because i'm no i I can pick on you what uh (laughs) how how'd it go what'd you write well something else that is both challenging and invigorating about writing and editing is realizing how much more expansive your story was than you thought on Mm -hmm. one hand it feels amazing to realize that you had more depth and that you there are more things to explore and that you can write about and more richness in the story. On the other hand, that means you have more decisions to make. Yeah. So that's kind of what happened. And I actually ended up bouncing around and adding parts to other sections. So the way the mm-hmm. story is kind of structured right now is I kept, I've kept the witch. I've kept this memory well I named the town Echo, which I thought, and yes. I, I named that initially. And then I wrote these sections. There's a section for forgetting. There's a section for wishes. There's a section for remembering. And there's a section for haunting because they're haunted by the, all of the things that they can't 
forget and that echoes in the town across the generations. There's this kind of collective forgetting. Mm -hmm. And I decided to, I I couldn't figure out, I, I feel like there were battling emotions as I was writing this. I think there's kind of an anger to it, right? Because there are sections of it where there are people who feel pressured to forget things about themselves to make it easier to exist where they are. Mm -hmm. That made me really angry. Yeah. And then there are parts where people are forgetting things or have forgotten things and are sad about that and are upset about what that means. And then I felt like wanting to write a story that also comforts people, but that reminds them that um, you don't have to have perfect memory of everything or every moment for the collective experience to be valuable. It's okay if you don't remember everything. So there are these kind of like emotions that are kind of, I don't know, up and down and all around in this mm-hmm. uh, story. And I was struggling to find a through line. And so I kind of, also was thinking about as I was writing, I realized that there were multiple witches and that I think I knew that before, right? They replace each other, but each section has a new witch and they react differently. And then Mm -hmm. I thought, well, what if I write about the history of these witches and the patterns? I'm kind of writing about the patterns of this village, but what if I play in the sandbox where I write out the patterns of the witches Mm -hmm. and kind of their through line and figure out what emotion I feel there, what, what I can focus on to help me tie this together. And it made me realize some things about the beats of the story and how I can tie that. What originally felt to me as emotional chaos now Mm -hmm. feels like an actual through line because you kind of see the witches go through like similar. They all have different reactions and different experiences to it. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I, that's, I mean, that's awesome. Like trying to figure out, you know, yeah, how to, like, name and put some intentionality on something that, like, you have that bit where you're like, this feels right and true, but also not cohesive yet. Mm -hmm. And, like, pulling out those threads so you can be like, oh, okay, yes, this is how you're all strung together. This is how you hang together. Yeah. That's very cool. I, it's so funny hearing you talk about memory and how much of your story is based on that, which is Makes sense. And I knew that before. And I'm wondering now if there were parts of that that kind of quietly influenced my story, which was not initially meant to be much about memory. But um, so much of, I mean, almost everything that's important about this story is things that happened in the past. And these two characters that have gone so far away from each other, but carried their understanding of what has happened before Mm -hmm. and that being something that both pulls them back together and also something that means they can never connect in the way that they used to and so the sandbox scene that i wrote was a conversation between two characters who never actually appear in the story because they are dead and gone long before it takes place um the 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 vengeance uh, thread that you kind of gave to me when we were initially coming up with this idea is very much something that's carried through where I have my like 
scoundrel character and my sort of space military character who were once kids together and lovers on a spaceship and due to this sort of horrible breaking event went very very separate directions uh and that that one of the things that happened in that horrible breaking event was that something bad happened to the captain of the ship that they had grown up in and called home and that that becomes the thing to come back for is that one of them says, I, I have a way to get some vengeance on the person who was responsible for this, on the person who sort of pulled the trigger on this whole shattering that occurred. Right. But for the most part, that character isn't relevant. Like that captain is referenced in pieces because she holds this like weight in both of their memories. But this is about the two of them and their relationship with each other. And a lot of this is actually about their memories of each other. And this vengeance for the sake of the captain is sort of the thing that brings them together. And it's integral because that horrible event was also the same thing that pulled them apart from each other. Mm. But we don't see a lot of the captain. And that was sort of intentional. So, But I ended up just writing a scene between her and... A, a new person on the ship who, who was previously unnamed and basically just writing a dialogue between the two of them uh, talking about what they're going to do with these two kids who've sort of ensconced themselves in this military ship and decided to call it home and how everyone knows that that's not good probably yeah. but you're gonna what you're gonna like kick these kids out who've already lost one home who've decided that this is their home now how do you like process that? And it was really interesting to just kind of like feel out and get a sense of this character more. And I do feel like it's going to be interesting for editing mm -hmm. because a lot of this story, another thing that I was kind of really trying to focus on and that I'm trying to grow into is the don't write the stuff that's not important for this story. Like, this is a sweeping sci-fi world, and these these are, you know, adult characters who've known each other since they were small children. Mm. There's so much that could be written. And trying to figure out the power and, like, we're just going to talk about these pieces. Yeah. Right? While communicating the weight of all of the, the aspects that yeah. you're not saying and don't have space to explore. Yeah, and so much of this was trying to give myself permission, like, oh, well, oh, feeling stressed about trying to write a flashback scene and being like, I'm just not going to do it. I'm just going to write the transcript that they find from this moment, right. from this recording. That's all. Just the transcript. And we're not going to set it up. We're not going to do the whole scene in a flashback because this is the piece that matters. And there's power to just writing the pieces that are vital. But it also often is useful, I think, as a writer to know the richness that is also behind it. Like there's always a line there. You can also get like very deep into it. And how much does it matter if you've not to rag on Tolkien? Cause clearly it worked for him, but like, Oh, you invented a whole Elvish language. That's dope. And it certainly adds quite a bit of richness to the story. But I think we all do need to make those assessments of like, what is our time and passion level and how much does it add to the thing we're trying to do, mm -hmm. right? And sometimes you're writing a big sweeping epic fantasy and you're really intrigued with linguistics, great. <laughs> but for many of the things we're doing, that can be such a distraction to feel like, oh, I have to, I have to go through and build out all these pieces and you don't have to. Mm -hmm. A lot of times that can be a distraction, but sometimes it's enough to be like, no, the fact is, is now I have a better sense of who this captain is. So the little pieces that I put in there of her 
feel like they can be more authentic to like, this is a piece of a real full person, even if communicating to you who this full person is, is not the point of this story. Right. Yeah. Makes it feel more informed. I love that for both of us. I mean, less actually about the editing. I want to read your story. <laughs> we, we can do that off mic, <laughs> but I would love to read it. <laughs> yeah. Good uh, little exchange. Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. I feel like we should definitely do that. Be great. Also build up my, uh, that's the other, the other thing is like sending your story to critique partners when it's, because I know, again, I've said this before, but I know why I have my critique partners. It's because I know it's, it's not finished and I trust them mm-hmm. that they will hold my story gently and help me make it what I want to be. And yeah, I'm like, but it's not perfect. How can I send it to them? It's not perfect. <laughs> They'll know that I didn't write a perfect thing this first time. And right. Like, yes, that's okay. Yeah. I would like to give us a little round of applause and a little round of applause for... Uh, anyone else who also has been trying to do this with us because this was a commitment and a, and an arbitrary one that would have been very easy to like just sort of shove off to the side and be like, actually, we're not doing that. Um, but this is dope. Like you and I each wrote a, a whole short story for the purpose of practicing and learning to be better writers. And uh, I am really proud of us for having like, actually gone through and done these processes and now we'll get to like dig more into editing um but would love to take just a quick second before we sign off to do a little a little brief manifesting for what you envision is the 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 culmination of this story's journey whatever you think that might look like or whatever you're hoping that it would look like i think i would like to get it ready to pitch i think i want to pitch this story Nice. There's something, I think there's something there that makes me feel like it's worth it. And if not, um, if it doesn't get selected, I mean, hey, again, one of my goals this year is to get rejected three times. So that's perfect. It's a win, Love it's it. a win for me. Either <laughs> or I get the arbitrary satisfaction of putting a little star on my goals tracker. Okay. Both feel good in my heart. Look, we love to track some goals. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and if not that, then I might just uh, put it up on a blog or take a segment of it, put it in one of my video diaries, something like that. Mm. I like that. I feel like, yeah, that's very much kind of the bucket that I am into. I feel like I'm psyched enough about this story. I definitely want to like submit it a couple places. And if those don't pan out, I don't know, been like, explore- there's so many fun ways to just like sort of self-publish on the internet and just be like here's a little thing yeah does anybody saw some you know traditionally published writers who were talking the other day about like hey hi i know i'd seen people talking about the validation of all the fanfic comments but like (laughs) boy we could write like this (laughs) Uh, i was like that is a good point like there's a lot of there's a lot of nice uh validating things about all the different traditional publishing mechanisms, but self-publishing, the internet, all sorts of stuff. There's a lot of fun things out there and uh yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I like our our stories have grown up together and now they get to go off to their their big dreams Aww. together in very similar directions. Watching them graduate, <laughs> go off into the world. I love it. I love it. Well, I am proud of us. And uh, if you have been 
working along with us on this or if you've just been working along on whatever you can these days and moving your stories forward we're proud of you too so proud it is not nothing just Mm -hmm. to sit down and make some stuff exist that didn't exist before you made a thing it's in the world now it's out of your head it's on a page creating stuff it's neat very neat i just think it's neat (laughs) anyway (laughs) and with that Thank you so much for wandering with us here today on Working Title. We would love to chat with you. If you want to connect with us, you can do so over on Twitter. Uh, Our handle is at WorkTitlePod, where we'll post about upcoming episodes when we remember to do so, and would also just love to chat with you about writing or books or you know, most of these things. Feelings. We talk a lot about feelings. A lot about feelings. And memes. TikTok. If you also memes, want TikToks. to be Dana's TikTok ambassador. I am open to having so many TikTok ambassadors. You have no idea. I, I take such joy out of not being on the app, but yeah. getting personally curated selections. Right. Also, if I can just, uh, I realize something that we haven't been doing that we could be doing is um, I've I've heard on the internet i've heard that there are these places where you can talk about a thing that you're listening to and i don't maybe it may include a star rating i don't know but if, <laughs> if you happen to you know happen upon one of these places and you feel so inclined to let people know what you think about it you could maybe do that and maybe we could find more people and then we'll have more people and more tiktok ambassadors for Dana, the <laughs> ultimate secret goal of Podcast. The ultimate goal of the progress. <laughs> Rate, review, subscribe, all those good words. Yeah, if you're having a good time. Um, I mean, we would love to know. Mm-hmm. And it would be nice if other people knew too. That would always be fun. Yeah. <laughs> the more the merrier. I want more people to stumble with, feel less alone in these woods. Yeah, it is more fun when you're like, all right, there's a lot of there's a lot of people messing around in these woods. Yeah. We'll figure something out eventually. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, everybody, and good luck. Keep your head up. We're there with you. We see you. 